May the Lord bless you all, my dear brothers and sisters. A special greeting to all of our viewers, all of those who have the opportunity and desire to join us in this teaching to learn about our God. And so today, we also give God thanks because once again, God allows us to be here all together, united in spirit, in one thought, one heart for the Lord. And one praise to our Lord, one feeling to honor and glorify our God and give him thanks for all things. And giving God thanks for the goods we receive and giving God thanks also for tribulation or the moments of trouble and hardship. It is not just being thankful for the good that we receive, but also perhaps the tribulation or the trouble that we sometimes see. Well, we give God thanks because he has us here in his presence. And well, we continue living, thanks be to the Lord. If we live, well, then we need to live for God to serve him. Now, that is always our desire. We as human beings, we desire to live, but we want to live to serve God and to do good things in life and one day attain eternal life. This is our desire, our longing. And so today we will be praising the Lord and glorifying him and learning about our God, his doctrine and learning from the Bible, this marvelous book God has left in our hands. Now, before doing so, we will be singing to the Lord. So you may be seated and you can get in your place and get comfortable. And we're going to open our hymnal books in hymn number 109, titled, Jesus is Calling. Now, we're going to sing this hymn with all of our heart. Now also paying great attention to the lyrics, the content here of this hymn, so that this way the Lord is also happy and glad that we are singing to him with our heart. We're singing to him with understanding. Hymn 109, Jesus is Calling. Jesus is tenderly calling you home, calling today calling today why from the sunshine of love will you roam farther and farther away calling today calling today calling is tenderly calling today Jesus is calling the weary to rest calling today calling today bring him your burden and you will be blessed he will not turn you away. Calling today. Calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. 
Jesus is waiting, no, come to him now. Waiting today, waiting today. Come with your sins at his feet, lowly bow. Come and no longer delay. Calling today. Calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Glory and honor be to our God. And thanks be to the Lord for his mercies, his love, his promises, for his word that is fulfilled in our lives. And thanks to the Lord for hearing our prayers and for having mercy of us all, of those who need so much of him. And so, today, why? Why should I even ask how you are? I know that there are some that are happy, others that are very sad, because this situation has brought about many moments of difficulty for some. But we must be strong. We must be strong. For it says the kingdom of heaven is for those who are strong and courageous and is violent and only the valiant will take the kingdom of heaven now the lord has maybe placed this difficult test and we must pass this test we cannot be stranded halfway through this road we need to continue forward fighting and trusting and believing in him we need to continue seeking his face and praying, crying out to him, never losing heart. For these moments are not going to last all the time. All of these things, these tribulations will come to an end and peace, joy, happiness will come. But we need, we need to submit to the will of God. We need to do good things, better things, good works. We need to keep his commandments so that this way, the Lord, he be pleased of us and bless us. And so we ask the Lord to have mercy of us. And today we're going to speak of a person. Today we're going to speak of Abraham. I know that the majority have heard of Abraham. Now, I'm not speaking necessarily to the brothers and sisters in church because those who congregate in the church, well, they have a lot of knowledge and doctrine and a great notion of all of the Bible and the people and the experiences and the blessings and punishments God gave. And so the brothers and sisters, they know. They know all of these topics. But I also know that there are many newcomers, many people who only now are starting to read the Bible and getting to know it. And so I perhaps 
am going to review this for the brothers and sisters, those who already know, and to all others to teach. To teach and teach you to get to know the Bible, to get to know the biblical people and what happened to them. Those who were obedient and submitted to God's will, they received many blessings from God. Others, other people received punishment. And as when we read the Bible and we realize God has never been unjust, He has been a strict father who wants all his children to be good children, to be obedient and disciplined and organized. And so we must imitate those people who obeyed the Lord and received their blessing. And we want to do the same. So today we're going to speak of Abraham and to see what example do we receive from Abraham and what Abraham invites us to do and how to be. And in this way, God may also say of us, as he expressed about Abraham. And so we're going to open our Bibles in Genesis chapter 12. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, from verse 1 to 9 is where we'll read, when the Lord, among other things, made a calling to Abraham. Now here, the story tells us that after the flood, only Noah and his three sons and their wives and Noah's wife were alive. Only they were alive and God said that they needed to multiply the earth. And so it occurred, they continued to live life again and they began to multiply. Many years went by and the earth began to populate once again. And God remembers an important person, Abraham, who at that time in the beginning when God called him, he wasn't called Abraham. His name was Abram. And it said that he came from descendants now here in verse 27 of chapter 11 it speaks regarding the genealogy of terah which was abraham's father he says this is the genealogy of terah and terah begot abram Noor, and haran and haran begot lot and so it continues to list out the genealogy but we're going to highlight abraham here and abraham the son of terah and in that time, his family, family, Terah, they were idolaters. Now, they had forgotten to honor God. But the Lord had mercy. And as God had his plan set for the future, his plan of salvation, so the Lord, he saw Abraham with good eyes. Now in chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, it said, The Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now let us keep in mind that the land was already populated. There was thousands of people, many people that dwelled there. And there were many cities at that point, many different nations. And every city was governed by a king. 
They were kings who ruled their own tribe, their own people. They were those who were ruling the kings. Now the Lord makes a calling to Abraham and he tells him, get out of your country. Leave your family, your father's house. And he tells him, and you will go to the place that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. This is the calling that the Lord makes Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing wherever you are, wherever you live. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the Lord said, they will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Abram did not understand this calling. He didn't understand what the Lord was telling him. But if we begin to go deeper into this, when the Lord says, I will make of you a great nation, he was referring to a holy, upright nation, a nation acquired by God, made up of people of many nations. Now, when he says to him, those who bless you, I will bless, and if anyone curses you, I will curse them. For it says, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When it says all the families, is it is in reference to that great nation that he was going to give Abram. He was going to name him as the father of those families of the earth or of that great nation. When he said to him, you'll be the father of many nations. Now, when the Lord said to him that you'll be the father of many nations, that he was referring to, in the future, the people of God. I repeat, the people of God that would be made up of people from all the nations around the world. It was not just one physical specific nation, but all the nations of the world. There would be people who would be seeking the Lord and would convert to God and keep his commandments, and they, the Lord calls them a great nation, a family, as the families of the earth, or those nations who Abraham said you will be the father of. Verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, Lot was his nephew, Abram's nephew. And it says, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. From his land when he departed from his family he was 75 then Abram took Sarai that, that's his wife and Lot and his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and so it said that he there in Haran where he had lived with his family he had a lot of livestock and people at his service. And so they departed to go to the land of Canaan. 
And so they came to the land of Canaan. Now Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Now in that land at the time, there were the Canaanites living and dwelling there. Now here, there are now people who would oppose themselves in Abram to continue in his path. Now in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land, meaning the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Abram believed the Lord, and immediately he believed. He believed God and built an altar to praise and honor the Lord. Verse 8, it says, And he moved from, from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel, meaning he established his home, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. These were cities. Now Bethel had their king, a governor, and the city of Ai also had their king, their governor. And it says there he built, Abram there built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Verse 9, so Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And so we find here how Abram, he had a path and he went out with his family, with his wife, with his servants, and with his livestock, with all of his belongings. He went out. Now, how he carried all those things? Well, I'm sure with perhaps camels, donkeys, ox, because, well, we can't say any carriages. And they walked. So he went and passed through many cities. There we find when he passed through those cities, some places, some kings would not allow the entry and he had to fight with these people so that they would let him go through. And this is how in the midst of his journey, he, or the time, the time comes where Abram needed to also travel to Egypt, but he was already established in the land of Canaan. Now, he had believed God, and he was trusting in the word of God. He was believing in a powerful God, a God that is omnipotent, great, just, a God that is invisible, a God in spirit. Abram believed in this powerful God. And every time he had the opportunity, wherever he arrived, he would create an altar and praise the Lord. He would praise the Lord. And God was pleased with what Abram was doing. Now we move on to chapter 13. In verses 14, 15, and verse 18, now Abram and Lot, as they journeyed, they were 
going along the way and let us assume that this journey that they took to arrive to the land of Canaan and the destination that the Lord had told them to get to, it was not a matter of days or weeks, but months. Now, it says here in chapter 13 and verse 14, now as he continues to journey with Lot, and he finds that Lot also has his possessions and has his own animals, and there was no longer any pastures for the animals to feed, there was some uncomfortability for these two families to continue to journey together, Abram decides to tell Lot to split, to separate, and that he should live in a certain part of Canaan and Abram in another part because of the lack of food for the animals. So Abram, he allows him to choose. He allows Lot to choose and say, well, which land do you want to dwell in? Which land do you want to possess? Now, in the land of Canaan, the Jordan River crossed through it. And all of the, obviously, near the river was very fruitful. And of course, the, live, uh, the crops were abundant. Everything that's by the, the banks of the Jordan River. And so we find Lot, he lifted his eyes and he saw the Jordan River. And well, he was a bit greedy and said, I'm going to choose that the land near the river because I'm going to have crops all year round. I'm going to be rich. And so he told Abram that he wanted that land. And he said, okay, and I'll go to the other side. Abram, he had a more deserted land, but in his modesty and the fact that he was not greedy, but very humble and generous and very giving. He only was trusting in God's promise. And he was waiting on what God had promised him. And in what moment he would become the father of many nations. When would this occur? When would these nations be at, at Abram's foot or feet, giving him tribute with all of the promises God had given him? I'm sure Abram thought of many things. He didn't think of the time. He only thought that the promises of God would quickly come to pass. But so thinking of that, he did not worry about the land where he was going to go live. And so in this way, they do separate. And when they separate, what happens is that things went badly with Lot, for he was greedy. But in verse 12, when, they, when Lot picked the best land for himself and left the not-so-good-of-land to Abram, they separated. They each went their own way. Abram, he set his tent in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom, meaning they formed their own people. They formed their own land. And it said that he set his borders even to Saddam, taking ownership of that land. Now it says, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. 
Now they were very evil and very sinful, these men of Sodom. And the Lord was very angry with that city of Sodom because the people were evil. Now, aside from being idolaters, aside from committing a lot of evil, they were also sinning against their own lives, their own bodies, their own dignity, and committing all sorts of terrible things, unclean things, committing very shameful acts among themselves in such a way that God was very angry with Sodom. And the Lord said to Abram, verse 14, he says to him, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And so the Lord told Abram that he should take a look at the other places that remained so that he could go there and take possession. And he tells him, I will give to you and your descendants forever. So once again, the Lord makes Abram the promise and points to him and tells him to observe all of the land. Now, verse 18, we go to verse 18 now. Then Abram moved his tent. Now, after this, the Lord once again makes him the marvelous promise. And he says, this land that you see, I will give to you and your descendants. But the descendants of Abram, what, what was it? Well, physically, yes. Physically, it was the people of Israel. They were who formed later on the people of Israel. But the Lord was speaking for the future. A future for the Lord already had his plan to send the Savior, the Messiah, the only begotten of the Father. And it says, and his descendants, well, his descendants were people of many nations. And it says, I will make of your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So then Abram moved his tent, so he immediately picked up his tent, where he his provisional living space, and he went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Memre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. He once again builds an altar for our God to praise this God of glory, to praise Him in spirit. He, when He built this altar, on this altar, what He would place were animals. He would sacrifice of His own sheep, of His cows that He had. He would sacrifice those animals and place them on the altar and burn them. So, to honor the Lord in this way and saying, God, these animals I'm sacrificing, I'm burning them so that the fragrant smell of these animals reaches your presence, for this is the way that I honor you, Lord. I take this time to do this for you. How else can I honor you? How else? The Lord knew that later on, He would teach them 
that aside from the sacrifices to honor God, there needed to be singing to the Lord and praying to God and shouting out, proclaiming and glorifying God. Many things needed to be done for him. The Lord knew that later on he would teach them. Now we find here the submission of Abraham, his obedience and the trust that he deposited in the Lord. He believed God. And it is an example that we find here from Abraham. Now, it was not easy. This was not easy when Abraham leaves his country and his family, he abandons them. How many people today, they cry for their families. They go to another place and they cry and they're sad. My family, I miss my family. I miss my country. I miss my own food. I, I miss my land and they suffer. Well, Abram, Abraham suffered too. But he believed God and he said, first, I must obey the Lord. And so, Abraham also suffered because he had to walk. And wherever it became dark, he needed to set a tent there, as today people, a camping tent, basically. A tent for camping, as you are familiar, you create a little hut. M many people call it maybe something else, but just a very, it's a thick fabric that is set up for a person to sleep out in the field, outside. And so he suffered a lot because it was months. It was months that it took to get from one place to the other and they needed to find food, they needed to find water. They needed to feed the animals. So it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice, this journey to arrive to the land of Canaan where God wanted him to arrive to. Now, if we today, the Lord makes us a promise that he's going to bless us and that we're going to have great abundance, that we're going to have peace and joy, well, we want it to happen, this promise of our Lord to be fulfilled next week. And if it's not fulfilled next week, well, then I have lost heart. I'm discouraged and now I've gone back and I'm not going to trust or believe in this anymore. No, brothers and sisters, this is not how it is. We must continue to fight and be courageous because the blessings of our God will be attained, but it is not in the time that we are thinking it is. It is not in our time. It is, it is in God's time. But we must continue and we must persevere so that we may reach the blessing of our God, His promise. Now we are here in chapter, chapter 14, of Genesis, we're now going to Genesis 14, verse 17, where here in chapter 14, in verse 17, now in this journey, this is when Abram encounters Melchizedek, the high priest of the God, God Most High, a person that was not of this earth a person that in Hebrews it said that he had no father, no mother, he had no descendants, he had no genealogy. But he was the priest of God Most High, this Melchizedek. And so while Abram was on his journey, Lot tells him, I'm, I'm doing bad, you see, I'm being attacked by those of Sodom and Gomorrah, they're against me, they have taken us as captives, 
They have taken me as a captive and I'm here as a prisoner. I'm kidnapped by these kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, when Abram hears of this, he immediately goes to help Lot and he goes with his servants. It says he gathered about 300 people of his servants and he armed them and they went to go fight against these kings to rescue Lot. And so Lot was rescued. Now, Abram returns back from this war that he had. He returns back to his destination and continue on with his journey. Now, when he returned, verse 17, verse 17 says, And the king of and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shiva. After his return from the defeat of Kedalamer and the kings who were with him, so he was coming back from this fight. God gave him the triumph. He defeated them. And that king of Sodom met him in the valley of Shiva. Now, he met him. He received him after this war but also another king from a different city came to meet him and verse 18 then Melchizedek king of Salem it says the priest of God most high he brought out bread and wine now Abram did not know who this person was he knew later now when he began to speak while he was there with that priest Melchizedek who brought out bread and wine this is when God reveals to Abraham who this was and who was standing before him so this priest Melchizedek was a person the king of Salem and that city did not exist and Melchizedek as I said in Hebrews it narrates the story that he had no descendants. He had no genealogy, for he did not have a father or mother. He came from God's behalf. In a teaching that we gave prior, we studied Melchizedek, and we saw that Melchizedek was the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, in the book of Matthew or Luke, he testified to the people and the Pharisees, his enemies, that he had been before with those of the, the time of antiquity, that he had been with them and no one had known him. This, I believe, is said in John. And so, it says the Pharisees, they were furious. The Jews said, you are a liar. And they said that they took up stones to cast against the Lord because they thought, how is it possible that he is saying that Abraham had seen his day? The Lord said, Abraham desired to see my day, and he did. And they said, well, that's not possible. You're not even 50 years of age. And how many centuries, ages, Abraham died? And the Lord said, Abraham saw my day. When? Here. Here. In, with King Melchizedek, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. He was Melchizedek, who appeared before Abraham. And this is why it says he brought out bread and wine. 
And he blessed him in verse 19 and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. This is when they discover, this is when Abram realizes who he was speaking with. And it says, And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And they spoke, and it says immediately, Abram gave the priest Melchizedek, or this king of Salem, he gave him a tithe of all, of all of his possessions. He delivered to him the tithe to Melchizedek. This act, this generous act, and also he let himself be moved by the revelation of God. Because who else but the Lord could reveal to him who he was speaking to in that moment and who this person was? This person, Melchizedek, Abram was happy, joyful, because he saw Melchizedek, the high priest of our Lord. And this is why the Lord Jesus Christ said, Abram was glad and seen my day, and he saw it. And so Hebrews, it also testifies and shares the apostle through divine revelation that this priest, Melchizedek, was the Lord himself. He was that priest, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is that high priest. And so Abram, we find here, we find in Abram all of the blessings God gave him. And what he was able to attain that divine grace because he believed in the Lord, because he trusted in him. Now here in chapter 17 of Genesis, in chapter 17, verse 1, it says that Abram, when Abram now arrives to his destination, God appears before Abram, for God appeared before him many times. God manifested himself to him many times. And he spoke to him, and it said that the Lord came before him and made a promise of a son, because the Lord knew that Sarah, or Sarai, was barren. And the Lord promised a son. He said, I will give you a son. And that happened. God fulfilled that promise. Because while Abram and Sarai were of old age, the Lord performed this miracle for the two, and they had their son named Isaac. And God said, and in Isaac, he will also have descendants. And he too will be covered with the blessing that I have for you. Isaac too will be a father. He will be the father of many nations. Now the Lord... He fulfilled that marvelous promise of giving him a son. And the Lord also appears before Isaac and also makes him those promises for the future. But the Lord was speaking of that marvelous future when the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ would be manifested. For that future, this is that future that the Lord always spoke to spoke about to those of, in, the, of antiquity. He spoke to the prophets, the people of old. This was all for the future. That future called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will be preached. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is with us. 
and there the Lord Jesus beginning to preach his gospel the Lord began to fulfill those promises that he made Abraham and Isaac and so we find the blessings we find the triumph the victory that Abram was acquiring because he obeyed the Lord and he left his most appreciated things his country his family now in verse 1 chapter 17 now when Abram was 99 years old the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him I am Almighty God walk before me and be blameless when he told him be blameless or in other words be perfect he said take heed take heed with idolatry do not worship images statues paintings do not worship animals do not worship animals of the sea or of the land or of the air do not worship the sun the moon or the stars or the zodiac sign do not worship or believe in these things do not believe in demons do not worship or call upon the dead turn away from all of that and that is what the Lord told him be blameless or be perfect Abram should only have eyes and his heart should be set for the true God in spirit and the Lord once again makes him the promise let us remember he was 75 when the Lord first appeared and then now it says he was now 99 years old and it says again walk before me and be blameless now people say well no one's perfect I'm not perfect and surely you're right but the children of God will be perfect and they are perfect for God has said so and the Bible says so and here Abram was a son of God Abram was a son of God and the Lord tells him be blameless or be perfect just as you are going very well you have not failed me until now and Abram did not fail the Lord and the Lord tells him in verse 2 and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying as for me behold my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations he repeats to him you'll be the father of many nations the Lord did not I'm sure he probably said now in the future the Messiah is coming he will preach the gospel and the gospel will be preached all over the world and many people all over the world of many nations will believe in this gospel and will convert to the Lord and so you will be the father of all of those people that is what happened now the Lord did not tell him directly but this is what the Bible later on narrates now it says no longer shall your name be called Abram but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations so Abraham it meant that it was a father of many nations father of many people that is what that name Abraham means now in verse 10 now I think we 
need more time in order to read Abraham's story. I'm basically summarizing it, putting it, making it more synthesized for you, the story of Abraham. But here in verse 10, we're going to read concerning the covenant. For the Lord said, we're going to have a covenant, me and you. Verse number nine, it says, God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And so he is saying, all male child. Now, it did not say that the females would be circumcised. No, the, the, the females were not circumcised. It was the males, the males among you. And it says, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. So it's that small surgery on the male member. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So that would be the sign. So he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised and every male child in your generations and he who is born in your house or anyone who comes into your house of, an, of a different nation will need to be circumcised in order to be a part of the people. It was a part of the identity that they had in order to be called the people of God, the people of Abraham or the people of Israel. In the future, it would be the people of Israel. And this was the covenant that the Lord put in place with Abraham that they all needed to be circumcised. And the Lord said, if any foreigner comes and wants to join the people, wants to know my name and praise my name, well, they too, they have the right to be circumcised and to be added to my people to praise my name. Because the Lord had his marvelous plan. For the Lord knew that this physical circumcision would in the future be a spiritual circumcision. This is why the Lord said, this is the covenant with you. This is the physical covenant because in the future, the spiritual is coming. And in the future, my children, my sons and daughters will all be circumcised. Their heart will be circumcised spiritually. Now, without or with the circumcision, it meant that they were turning away from sin to live a holy, perfect life before God and to live a life without idolatry. This was the circumcision. So this is why in the future, in the gospel of our Lord, the circumcision is in the heart, meaning a person, they turn away from their sins, they repent, they convert to God, and they begin to follow the path of the Lord, worshiping God without sinning, only keeping the commandments of our God. This is how men and women are circumcised in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in some parts of the Bible, in the Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord says, you need to circumcise your heart. I want you to circumcise your heart, that you turn away from sin, from your stubbornness, from all evil. This is what the Lord wanted. But in the beginning, this was done so physically, to then turn all of that into a spiritual life. And so now we go to Romans. Let us now go to the New Testament in Romans. Chapter 4, Romans 4, 
Chapter 4, Romans. And it says, now this is the example of Abraham. Now we're studying, very summarized, the story of Abraham to understand and, and receive his example. Because our Lord Jesus Christ mentioned Abraham, our Lord, he said, whoever does the will of my father will one day be in the bosom of Abraham. And so he continues to live for God. He is with God. And we are not speaking of someone dead. We are speaking of someone who lives, who lives with God. Now it says here, what then? Chapter 4, Romans, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? So according to what is physical and material, what was, what was it that Abraham found before God? Physically, what did he find before God? Or literally, as some people might say. For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For it says he has something to boast about because truly Abraham did good works. And you see how he suffered and how he fought when he left his own country in order to reach the land of Canaan and to establish himself there to give fulfillment to the promises of God. It was a fight and a struggle. And all of this God accounted to him as righteousness. But the Lord knew. The Lord knew that this was not what he truly wanted from the physical, the material side, but what God wanted was the spiritual, the spiritual side of human beings, that human beings in their heart should worship, honor, and glorify the Lord and to seek him in spirit and truth, turning away from all evil and sin. In verse three, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, as Abraham believed God, God told him, you are righteous. You are a righteous and upright man before me. Which is what we also want. We want God to say this of us because we want to do good works. We want to obey the Lord and to keep his commandments so that the Lord may say that we are righteous, that we are upright, and that we are blameless before him. Now in verse 4, now to him who works, so someone who doesn't do the things, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. This is speaking of, of someone who doesn't work, well, that the wages is no longer grace, but debt. So someone who is doing what is evil or disobeys God when the Lord gives them an order and that person doesn't believe or obey, it says that they are in debt with God because they are disobeying Him. And one day they will need to ask God for forgiveness and repent because if not, they are in debt. And if they die in debt, well, then surely they will be condemned. Verse 5, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, now, Abraham won over the heart of the Lord, not because of so many works and because he did so many beautiful things, but because he believed the Lord. 
he believed God. And as he believed him, this is what God saw. And what work did he do? Well, yes, he left his family. He left his country. He, he left everything and went to live in a place he did not know. He did that work. But what God saw mostly in him was not the fact that he left from his country and abandoned his family and to walk months and months and suffer the different climate changes and the different suffering along the way. But the works that he saw, was not, that's not what he counted. It was a fact that he believed in him and obeyed him. He said, this one believed me. He's, he's sacrificing himself. Look at all that he's doing, all that he has submitted himself to because he believed in me and is obeying me. This is it. It's not so much the works. Like there are people, they say, well, I am giving out my goods and I'm giving food to people and I bring a lot of food to the orphans and to uh, single mothers and people that are, are poor. I give, them, I give them clothes. I've won heaven now with this. Well, your works are beautiful. The works that you're doing are beautiful. They're good. But... You have no knowledge of God. God has not spoken to you or expected anything from you or demanding anything from you. You don't know God. You have no knowledge of Him. And so your works are good, but with the knowledge of God and knowing what we are doing and how we should do it to do things right in order to come closer to the Lord and say, God is ordering me. Put aside all resentment, all grudges, all envy. Do not complain and criticize and, and turn away from all gossip and all of these things. So I do the good works and I give food and clothing to those who are in need. But in the Lord, I am bearing fruits. I am bearing good works. I have virtues and qualities. And so God then says, this person is obeying me because I told them to put aside all resentment and hatred, to leave all of that behind and to follow me and everything else they can do that. But first do the main important thing that I order. And so the Lord says, okay, great. You're doing good works and you are obeying me because you're believing in me. You're giving me the time. You're praising me. You're honoring me. You're glorifying me. You're giving me time. This is what the Lord wants that we take time out for our God, that we dedicate some time to praise him, give him thanks in the good times and the bad, give God thanks, honor honoring him in the evil days or the good days and aside from that doing good works but yes god first this is what abraham did and god here rewards him and applauds him for it verse six just as david also describes the blessedness of the man to whom god imputes righteousness apart from works now verse seven blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered now this is saying that blessed are those men and women who having believed in the gospel of our lord jesus christ having accepted jesus christ as god as the son of god and the messiah the lord forgives their sins the lord didn't say okay well you have done 200 works in your life and this is why I'm going to bless you. No, he said, as you have believed in me, as you want to repent and to follow me, follow my ways, so I will forgive all your sins. Forget about your past life and all of your sins and follow me from here on out and live a new upright life. Praise my name, glorify my name and 
everything else will be added to you, all the good works. This is what the Lord does with his gospel, and this is what this is saying, that blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So he's not saying, oh, because of all your works, you fulfilled all the commandments, and you you fulfilled in not working on the Sabbath, and you fulfilled in not drinking blood, and you fulfilled in not doing this or that, that you should not eat or drink certain unclean animals. As you did all of that, I'm going to bless you. No, the Lord said, you need to believe. The young rich man told our Lord Jesus Christ, what can I do to win eternal life or attain eternal life? Well, fulfill the commandments. And he asked, well, what are they? And the Lord tells him, these are the commandments. And he says, I've, I've done them all. But he says, you have to believe. Believe in who? Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord so that you may attain eternal life. Believe in him. The Lord did not say, okay, well, with all of your good works and you have kept all of the law of Moses and you've done it all, the Lord did not account that as righteousness. He did not account that as righteousness. He said there's something missing, except believe that who is speaking to you, believe in him because he is who will give you eternal life. This was the hard thing for them to accept. It was very difficult to accept the Lord as the savior, as he who would forgive the sins. And the Lord said, you need to believe and he who the father sent. And after you believe in him and you follow him and you praise him and you honor him and then everything else then is added to you and is done because God himself will help men and women to fulfill and to do all those good works. Now in verse 8, it says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? Meaning... So is this blessing that the Lord, when he said that blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute on sin but forgives their sin? Well, this happens in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. It says this blessedness was for who? Was it for those who kept the law of Moses or is it for the Gentiles? Well, the circumcision, we know they are the Jews and the law of Moses and the uncircumcision is the Gentiles for it says here for we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness so the simple fact that he believed in God and obeyed him this is what God counted he said you are righteous verse 10 how then was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised now as we know Abraham was uncircumcised because the people of Israel were still not in existence and the covenant he made with Abraham, he instilled it, this covenant of the circumcision. But before this, before the covenant, the Lord told Abraham that he had to be circumcised and he obeyed. He did and his family and all of his servants, they were all circumcised. And after this, m later on, then came the law of Moses. So this is saying, that Abraham received the blessing. In what moment was it? It was before the law of Moses. That's when Abraham received that blessing of God, that grace, that salvation. And God calls him his friend. He calls Abraham his friend. In verse 11. And he, Abraham, 
received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Now the apostle was giving the understanding that not just the Jews who were those who circumcised themselves, but the Gentiles as well. They too would belong to the people who the Lord had told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations because they too, they had the right. Because Abraham, God called him, he saved him. He told him he was righteous before the law of Moses, before the circumcision. And then the circumcision, the spiritual circumcision of the heart is what the Gentiles then perform after Christ or in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This circumcision is no longer done physically anymore. It is now spiritual. It is in the heart. It is repenting and living a holy life before God. And so this is saying that just as Abraham had that circumcision before the law of Moses, the Gentiles too, they have the right to count to be accounted as righteous before the Lord. They too have the right. Verse 12. And the father of circumcision, the Lord placed him as the father of, of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, meaning the Jews, but who also walk in the steps of the, of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So he was basically a Gentile before being circumcised. He was like any other pagan man of any other nation or a foreigner. But the Lord then came and he made up his people, the people of Israel. But this was later on. And so the apostle, he is saying this example of Abraham, this blessing that the Lord gave Abraham, his promise that he would be the father of many nations, it had nothing to do with the law of Moses. It was something completely separate that God had told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations in the future and that he would be saving and he would be speaking to many people of many nations, speaking of the gospel the gospel of our Lord, and that all would be circumcised spiritually, their heart, and then they would become or belong to that holy nation, that great nation that the Lord spoke to Abraham about. And so in verse 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, the law of Moses, but through the righteousness of faith or through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For if those who are of the law of Moses are heirs, faith is made void. And the promise, that promise God made to Abraham made of no effect. And this is not so. We will not think this because the promise God made Abraham, he made it with an oath. Now in verse 15, because the law, the law of Moses, brings about wrath, meaning people, they were not able to fulfill or submit themselves to this law for it was very rigorous. It was difficult to fulfill. But for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith, meaning the belief in Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it might be according to grace. So once believing in him, God in his righteousness, he forgives sins and he saves people and transforms them so that people live an upright, holy life before God, just as God did so with Abraham when he told him, be blameless. 
Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, of the law of Moses, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, Abraham is the father of us all, of Jews and Gentiles, circumcised and uncircumcised. He is the father of all, because by faith, is how the Lord comes and gives this, that reward to Abraham because of the faith of the men and women in the world who believe and accept the Lord of glory and accept him as the only way of salvation, as the Messiah, as that perfect king. And so in accepting him, it says, all then become that great nation. They become and they receive that title of being the children of Abraham because of faith, only faith, not because of the law of Moses. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So Abraham, it says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, like the stars in heaven, the sand of the sea, verse 19, and not being weak in faith, so Abraham was never weakened in his faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So this was not a reason for him to have his faith weakened in the Lord. For him to say, oh no, Lord, I'm too old now. I'm no one. I don't believe this anymore. I'm not capable of leaving my land. I'm too old. I can't do this. He did not think this way. He was not weakened, but believed and obeyed the Lord. Blessed is the name of our God. How beautiful it is that we are like this, wise and understood, and we can comprehend that the Lord, we should not place any types of limits or times or riches involved or involve any circumstance in life. Can it ever avoid of us being resolved in doing God's will and believing in him and trusting in him because he is powerful and there is nothing impossible for him. So when God makes a promise and God makes promises, we must trust and believe, but also we must give to God what he deserves. We must live life well, uprightly, so that the Lord may fulfill those promises in us. There are many people that are very sad, they're crying and they're suffering because they have many problems, they have sicknesses and difficulties, and there's great despair. But why don't we analyze? You should reflect. What am I doing wrong? What have I done wrong in my life? And now I'm paying the consequences. Why isn't God hearing my prayer? What am I doing? What am I thinking? What are my actions? What are my behaviors? We need to be sincere and we must also recognize our errors so that this way we are able to find the reason on the current situation and not say, oh, well, God is not listening to me. God doesn't hear me. I'm tired of praying and I've been praying so much, but I won't do it anymore. No, we must reflect and we must be in good standing before the Lord because he is merciful. He helps us. And here 
We're not going to justify ourselves either, nor are we going to place different obstacles in our path before the Lord. Oh, the Lord is not giving me this because of that. No, Abraham, he, a hundred years old, he was not weakened in his faith. He believed in that promise. The Lord promised him that he would be the father of many nations, and he knew his wife, Sarah, was, was barren. But... Abraham could have said, well, I can't believe this. My wife is barren. How can I be the father of many nations? He believed. And this is what God wants from us, to believe, to trust. This is why we're discussing Abraham today, because of this example he left us with, a marvelous example of believing God above all things. Believing him above what it seems impossible or difficult, above everything of what's uncertain. And it says he did not doubt. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He always would build the altars to praise the Lord and being fully convinced. So Abraham was fully convinced that God, he was so powerful that he could perform all that he promised. Now, therefore, his faith, it was accounted to him for righteousness and it was not through the law of Moses and now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, the believers in Christ Jesus. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him. Those who believe and who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Glory to our God. Who was delivered up because of our offenses. Who was? Well, Jesus Christ. And was raised because of our justification. Glory to our God. What a marvel that we have, the riches that we have before us. Our God, our Father, offering us salvation, offering us an eternal life. And observe this example of Abraham. He did not observe the circumstances. He did not care of his age. He did not care about the barrenness of his wife. He did not care that he had to move from his land. He did not care that he moved from his land to another country very far from his home. He believed in the Lord. The Lord said, be perfect. But what does it mean to be blameless or be perfect? It is to fulfill the commandments of our God and to turn away from everything that is idolatry. And we should abandon all of that. We believe in a God that is in spirit and truth. And the Lord he is helping us to change, to be transformed so that each day we may be perfect. And each day we progress in our spiritual life in such a way that one day we will reach perfection before our death. Blessed is the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. And this he will fulfill so that Everyone should not have a reason to say, oh, no one's perfect. That's a lie. Perfection does not exist. No, people don't understand what being perfect means. This is a term that people have not yet the, understand, the understanding of it. Just believe 
God said he would be raising up his church, his nation, his people, a church without spot or wrinkle, a perfect church he would raise up for himself. And so we must believe it. And we trust in that. We believe in that because there is nothing impossible for God. This is the example of Abraham. And this is why God calls him his friend. And this is why we are all the children of Abraham. For we are children of faith. Glory and praise be to our Lord. Let us pray to our God and let us give the Lord thanks. Thanks to our Lord because he is here and presenting a great salvation. And he is inviting us, inviting us to continue in his path, the, the path of our Lord. O oh, Holy Father, eternal God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, eternal God. You are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, and the God of the prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and how many more? You, you are the God who spoke to Elijah when he wanted to die there in a cave. And you spoke to him, and you told him, that he will not die when you want. It is when I want. And you must continue working. And so, Lord, you, you treated man personally, and you spoke to them, and you taught them. And today, you do the same. Because you are the same yesterday, today. And today, you do the same. You speak to us, and you tell us many things, and you teach us, and you correct us, you guide us. Today, you are guiding us and comforting us through your Holy Spirit. Because you are the same of yesterday, today, and always and forever. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Lord. I pray that in your mercy and in your love and for your promises that you made to Abraham and for the promises that you've made to many other people, and also the promises that you have made to us. I ask, Lord, that you have mercy and that you extend your powerful hand so that many men and women, in hearing this word and hearing this sermon, may understand and may convert to you and may follow your footsteps and praise you and seek you and glorify you and to enjoy your presence and to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives and that they too may be comforted and guided by you and that they may be forgiven as well and transformed into new men, new women, that they too may be born again as the opportunity that you have given to us, to some of us. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, for you are the same, always. Time does not count for you. The, the years, the ages, they don't count. You are the same. You are the same God. Powerful. You are the same God that is strict and loving and strong, but also full of mercy. Thank you, Holy Father. For we are before your presence, my Lord. And observe those that are suffering. Observe all of those that are suffering and that are sad, that are bitter, 
that are depressed, that are anguished and despaired. Some want to take their lives. Others, they're sick, seriously sick. Others are in a state of coma. Others are possessed by evil spirits that do not let them live in peace or sleep in peace. And they live tormented and also are tormenting people around them. Lord, observe all of these situations and have mercy, Father. Have mercy, Heavenly Father. Extend your powerful hand and deliver and cleanse, heal and take away all evil. Take away and remove all sorcery, all witchcraft, all curse of the devil. Destroy all evil work. Deliver and cleanse each person, Lord. Give them intelligence and wisdom, understanding, so that they may comprehend your ways, that they may understand your words, so that when they read the Bible, they are able to understand many things about you, and that they open their hearts to you, that they be willing and set for you. You are worthy of all honor, all praise and worship. We will praise you, Lord, and we will give you the honor and the glory. We will praise your name. We will exalt you, my God. Thank you for listening to our prayer. Thank you for observing our tribulations and the sadness, the pain, and the tears of many. Thank you, Holy Father. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, the honor and the glory be for you, now and evermore. Amen. Glory to our God. And we thank the Lord. We will be singing to the Lord chorus number 80, titled, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you nations, all you Gentiles. This chorus is very similar to the promise God made to Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations. So those nations, they need to praise the Lord. So let us sing this chorus, 80, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, his name worship, for great is his love and his merciful kindness toward all his people, and the faithfulness of God remains forever hallelujah amen and the faithfulness of god hallelujah is forevermore praise the lord oh praise the lord all you gentiles all you nations his name worship for great is his love and his merciful kindness toward all his people and the faithfulness of god remains forever hallelujah amen and the faithfulness of god Hallelujah is forevermore. Glory to our God and thanks be to the Lord. May the Lord bless you greatly and may God have mercy of you all and may he hear your prayers 
and your pleas. May he bless you greatly, and may he give healings to many of you. Many blessings. Thank you very much, and God bless you all. I love you in the Lord, and many hugs and kisses from my behalf to you and for all the children. Thank you. God bless you.